not blood. The next morning, Powell woke early to the smell of, the co of coffee, which her mom didn't drink, and the sound of adult male voices, which Powell hadn't heard in this apartment in living memory. Wearing her slightly too small space pajamas, Powell walked out into the living room to find her mom addressing Dante, his abuela, and two uniformed police officers. Her heart sank. If there were police at her house, that meant Emma still hadn't been found. Powell's brain calculated quickly. It was 7.30, which meant Emma had been missing for 13 hours and 45 minutes. A car would have traveled almost a thousand miles by now. A car could have traveled almost a thousand miles by now. But Powell didn't even know if Emma was in a car. She didn't know anything. The variables were too many and multiplying exponentially. Every additional moment, her friend stayed missing. I'm afraid I don't have any cream, Powell's mom was saying. She wore a silky robe over a camisole and striped pajama pants. But you're all welcome to coffee. Powell noticed that the mug in her mom clutched was shaking slightly. Normally, Powell would have stood beside her for support, or at least given her a look across the room to make sure she knew they were in this together. But this morning, Powell's mom avoided her gaze, the tension between them too great even with all these other people around. Is this Miss Santiago? asked one of the officers. Neither of them was the cop she'd met at the station, and Powell wasn't sure if that made her feel better or worse. At least she knew what to expect from a mustache man. I'm Powell, she said, not offering her hand. Officer James, this guy was all business, with none of the sneering prejudice of the man from the night before. But still, Powell didn't trust him. Bigotry wore a lot of different faces. She knew that, well, she knew that well, even though she hadn't started seventh grade yet. This is Officer Tyler, the first cop said, introducing his partner. We've discussed things extensively with Mr. and Mrs. Lockwood, but we need for, but what we need from you two, he gestured between Powell and Dante, is to show us exactly where your meeting place was. We'd like to search the area and canvas the route between there and the Lockwood's house to see if anyone saw the girl. Have you found anything? Dante asked before Powell could... Senora Mata looked chastisingly at Dante, and Powell could almost hear her thinking that children should be seen and not heard. Officer Tyler, on the other hand, considered him speculatively. Last night's patrol didn't turn up any clues. We're hoping daylight will improve our chances. What are we waiting for? Powell asked, marching toward the door without bothering to get dressed. Senora Mata hung back, clearly not up for the mile-and-a-half trek across the desert, and Powell thought a little when her mom said... No se preocupe, Carmela. You go on upstairs. I'll look after Dante. Powell felt a rush of gratitude toward her mom for hurrying the process along, but then, of course, she delayed them by insisting on getting dressed first. Two steps forward, one step back, Powell thought. Finally, they set out for the river, the officers asking Powell and Dante questions about their normal route and if anyone else knew about their gatherings. She and Dante answered as honestly as they could, but Powell didn't think they were telling the police anything very useful. Her restlessness was back, feeling like little robotic insects skittering up and down her bones. No one was hurrying enough, and Powell couldn't reveal the reason for her urgency, the nebulous connection her nightmare had drawn between the figure they had seen and the Mesa kidnapper. You okay? Dante asked, snapping Powell out of dreamland. Yeah, she said. Well, no, but yeah, you? Same, Dante said. Just swiped a hand over his face. What if we don't find her? We will, Pal said with conviction, even though she had no facts to back it up. They needed to believe right now. This is it, Dante announced to the adults when they reached their usual spot. 
The water lapped gently against the bank and not far in the distance loomed the cactus field, a place that kids always pretended was haunted. They didn't have to conjure up any monsters today though. They were in a real living nightmare. The officers asked for details. How far the trio normally strayed from the spot, what time they were supposed to meet, how long they waited, why they hadn't called Emma or her parents sooner. The Lockwoods mentioned you were supposed to meet them at the station. Officer Tyler remarked at his notes, why didn't you come? We did, Pow said, instantly heated. But that cop with the mustache threw us out. He said we were telling ghost stories. Tyler's eyes widened and he conferred with James in whispers. I'm sorry about that, Tyler finally said. O'Brien can be a little overzealous. Pow thought racist pig was probably a better way to describe him, but she had learned enough from her mom to keep that particular opinion to herself. Tyler and James excused themselves to take photos of the scene. Trying to cool her temper, Pow took a few steps away, the memory of her dream taking hold as she moved closer to the water. She knew it was her imagination getting the better of her, but the riverbank felt sinister, even in the light of morning. Pow could swear there was a remnant of a green glow. She imagined she could see the mysterious guy with the pixelated face, light spilling from his hands. Her mom peered at her sharply, and Pow shook herself. It was just water and sand, and the overactive imagination of a girl who was raised on bedtime stories about drowned children. In the sandy earth, Pow could see the imprint of the picnic blanket from last night, and the footprints where she and Dante had paced their worries into the ground. Their trio had spent so many evenings here. Emma redoing Pow's messy braids with her patient hands, the three of them taking turns gazing through the telescope while Emma made up her own names for the constellations, and Pow corrected her with the real ones. Would they ever sit there again? Would Pow get to confide in the, her best friend, her best girlfriend, about her changing feelings toward her mom? Tears pricked her eyes, but Pow refused to let them fall. They would find Emma. They just had to. How often do you come here? asked Officer James, finally pulling out a notepad and pen. Pow and Dante glanced at each other guiltily. Once a week or so, Pow said. We never go in the water, though, she added hastily when her mom scowled. They're not allowed near the river, Pow's mom said to the officers. I had no idea. It's the best place to see the stars, Pow explained, trying her best not to sound whiny. And it's so hot everywhere else. Has Emma ever expressed interest in swimming in the river? Officer James asked, getting back to the subject at hand. No, Pow said emphatically. We all remember what happened to Marissa. We know it's too dangerous. Emma would never have gone in. Pow's eyes drifted to the riverbank again. She'd seen the silhouette just over there. Had he? That's all we need for now, the, the officer said. Wait, Pow said, feeling her anger reignite. Don't you want to check out where the guy was? What guy? Tyler asked. Last night, I told the cop, O'Brien, that we saw someone, Pow said. Right over there, she pointed. Tyler shifted toward his partner, flipping through his notebook. I don't have anything about that, he muttered to James, but Pow heard him anyway. Because he cut me off before I could finish, she said, her temper flaring again. The officer's expressions were neutral, so Pow couldn't tell if they believed her or not. I did see a guy, I swear. She continued wishing she were wearing something more grown up than space pajamas. In the reeds by the river, she gestured in the general direction, but neither officer even turned. Did he speak to you? Tyler asked. Well, no, Pow said. I don't think he saw us. And you didn't think to ask him if he'd seen your friend? I'm sorry, Pow's mom interjected. Did you just ask a 12-year-old girl why she didn't approach a strange man at night? The answer is pretty obvious. The look on the officer's face heated Pow's anger to red hot. 
he was clearly trying to decide if her mom was stupid or dangerous or both. Even though Pow and her mom weren't exactly seeing eye to eye right now, she couldn't stand for that. Dante and I wanted to get home and call Emma, she said, drawing attention away from her mom, her heart fluttering like a hummingbird in her chest. We didn't, we still didn't know she was missing then, just that she didn't show up. Can you describe the man in any more detail? James asked, though he wasn't taking any notes. He was short, about my mom's height, but I didn't see much else. The scream, the dream screamed from her subconscious, demanding that she make the connection, but she couldn't. Skin color, hair color, any identifying marks or tattoos. Pow tried to remember. His hair was longish. He was in silhouette, so Tyler cut her off. We could try to find and question him, he said, if you could remember what he looked like. But Pound knew he was just being polite. He didn't believe the man had really been there. I saw him too, Dante said, tearing his haunted gaze away from the water and stepping up beside Pow, his fist clenched at his sides. You have to believe us. Do you even want to find Emma? I suppose you can't identify this mystery figure either, Tyler asked, narrowing his eyes when Dante didn't answer. This isn't just cop show, kid. We need evidence. Facts. We can't just go knocking on doors asking if anyone with longish hair took a totally legal stroll by the river last night. As infuriating as it was, Pow knew he was right. Dante remained silent. Without a description, their information was useless. The restless buzzing she'd felt last night was back. The same sensation that had made her go all supernova and break her mom's galuta. Without waiting for permission or for anyone to follow, Pow stomped toward the reed opposite the spot she'd seen the silhouette, feeling her mom's eyes on her like a tractor beam, preventing her from going too far. She ignored their pull. Maybe she'd find some footprints, something to prove she hadn't made it all up. Real evidence that the person she'd seen wasn't one of her mother's ghosts. There was nothing. Pow yanked on a piece of river grass in frustration, wincing when its razor-sharp edge sliced her hand. It stung, and suddenly Pow wanted to lie down on the sandy bank and cry herself to sleep like a child. Blood trickled out of the cut, dotting her palm like a string of beads. Her bright red blood and dark brown skin blurred together as her eyes filled with tears. But when she blinked and refocused, she spotted something red by her feet, too. Pow felt her heart kick into high gear. It isn't blood, she thought, almost deliriously. Any drops would have soaked right into the ground. Pow bent down to investigate, and it was like the dream's current had caught her again, because there in the sand lay Emma's ruby ring.